0: Yesterday evening, Northside had an event as part of the ongoing men's ministry. Several of the men were there. If you weren't, you missed a great opportunity, a uh, a wonderful event. Uh, Special thanks to Cole and to Andy and to John and Luke Campbell and the Tandys for hosting. And I'm sure there were many other unmentioned men who had a part in that as well. But it's really great. Just a good evening of fellowship. Uh, it was called Channel the Flannel. So we all channeled the flannel. Uh, I put on my flannel shirt. I've never put on a flannel shirt when it's 80 degrees out. <laughs> so that was, an, that was an interesting experience. But it was good. It was uh, lots of axe throwing, good food. Uh, Travis Dodson cooked, it, cooked a great meal up. And it was just a good evening of fellowship. And as I was having different conversations with different people... I thought, this is a, a good picture of what happens within the church, within the body of Christ. That particular night, you know, it was, I would say, 98% men who were dressed in flannel. They had put on flannel. Now, these men were all different. They were old and young. They were new in Christ. They were, had been in Christ for many decades. But the, the commonality is how they were, how they were dressed. The commonality is the participation with one another. And and that's a pretty good picture to what we're going to talk about this morning. and What, what brings us together as the body. And this extends to women also. It's not just for, for women. I mean, if, if the ladies would like to have their own flannel event, that's fine. I'm sure, sure they'll do great with that. But I want you to turn in your Bibles as we continue in our theme of one another. I want you to turn to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3 is getting to talking about what it means to live the new life in Christ. Uh, I thought we could do a whole series just on this chapter. So we're not going to go through the whole chapter. But essentially, Paul is writing to the Christians at Colossae saying, if you're a Christian, things change for you. And it all comes down to what you're wearing. Not your physical attire, but the spiritual attire of being clothed with Christ. And so he gets into some very specific things, things that you shouldn't have on and things that you should. And today, in these verses of chapter 3, we're going to look at verses 12 through 13. Now, what he mentions here in Colossians 3, 12 through 13, is so simple, but it's not easy. It makes so much sense, but it's not always easy to do. But if we'll trust God and do it, it will revolutionize everything in your life and in your relationships. We're in Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 13. Paul writes these words, and we're in the ESV. uh, We're page 1,262. If you don't know where Colossians 3 is or if you want to just look on the PowerPoint slide. Paul writes, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive All right, so when we look through this text, we we notice a couple things. The first thing we notice and need to remember is who you are. Paul starts out by saying, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. In our family, we have a little tradition uh, before the kids go to school. We will usually read scripture or part of scripture from the daily Bible reading plan. And then we have a prayer, we circle up and we pray together as a family. We don't always do this, but most days we hit the mark. And then as the kids leave to head to school, I will say, remember who you are. And that's not just to say they're a levering, but remember who you are. Remember what family you're a part of. Remember who you represent, not just your parents, but also your Lord. Remember who you are. Well, Paul here is saying to the church of Colossae, remember who you are. And he, he uses three adjectives. He says, "You first, you are chosen ones. Now, you are chosen in Christ. You are chosen in him. That's the key point. You are holy, Paul says. If you're holy, you make sure you need to live in a holy way. You're holy, also because of Him, and finally He says you are beloved, and you are beloved because of Him. And so, in a in a subtle way, Paul is pointing back to their holiness, their chosenness, their belovedness. It's Christ centered. Now, now this is really important. It doesn't seem like you think like you could just gloss over this, but it's really important. It's more important than you than you realize because. Understanding who you are is vital if you want to change and make a difference in how you live. If you don't think that's important, I want you to just ask Aaliyah. Guys, if you could turn the lights down, turn the sound up just a little bit. Just ask Aaliyah if it's important to understand who you are.
1: Look at yourself. Look in your eyes. You got to see it, okay? You got to feel it. You ready? You ready for school? Is it going to be a good day? Mm-hmm. A really good day? You're going to be positive? Say, I am strong.
2: I am strong.
1: Say, I am smart.
2: I am smart.
1: Say, I work hard.
2: I work hard.
1: I am beautiful.
2: I am beautiful.
1: I am respectful.
2: I am respectful.
1: Yeah. Say, it. I'm not better than anyone.
2: I'm not better than anyone.
1: Nobody's better than me.
2: No one's better than me.
1: I am amazing.
2: I am amazing.
1: I am great.
2: I am great.
1: What's your name?
2: Aaliyah Austin.
1: If you fall?
2: I get back up. What are you? I'm blessed.
1: Yes. Say, thank you, God.
2: Thank you, God.
1: For making me.
2: For making me.
1: The greatest.
2: The greatest.
1: There's nobody.
2: There's nobody. Better. Better. Than me. Than me.
1: All right, give me five. Give me a kiss. Let's go.
0: Okay. It's a really good dad right there, isn't it? And we understand why. Because... What he is reinforcing in her mind, in her heart, in her spirit, and making her repeat with her mouth, is who she is. And who she is will dramatically impact how she is. And so Colossians chapter 3 is Paul reminding us that our Holy Father stands behind us And says, who are you? I am chosen. I am holy. I am beloved. And you see, that thing, that that understanding impacts everything. Knowing who you are, and this is in Christ now. I don't want to just jump over this, but this is in Christ. Knowing who you are impacts how you are. Knowing who you are impacts how you are. I think a lot of the struggles that we faced as a culture and to some degree we watched seep into the church two years ago had everything in the world to do, not with politics, issues, or anything like that, everything to do with forgetting who we are. See, when you understand who you are in Christ, it affects how you are in Christ. And this is true all throughout Scripture. Esau forgot who he was, and so he sold his birthright blessing for a single meal. Why'd you do that, Esau? Pretty simple. He forgot who he was. David, knew who he was as a shepherd, and so he ran down the valley toward a giant named Goliath. He knew who he was, and that impacted how he was. And on the converse side of that, years later, he would forget who he was and sin and commit adultery with Bathsheba and commit a whole lot of other sins to cover that up because he forgot Who he was. If Satan can do anything, it's to distract us from who we are in Christ. So, repeat it with me, if you're a Christian. In Christ, we are chosen, holy, and beloved. And because you're holy, chosen, and beloved... This leads us to the second point. We've got to remember who he is. Now this is important. As I said, this is pertinent to Christians. If you're not a Christian, if you've not been buried with Christ in baptism, expressed faith in him, made that commitment to him, this this won't make a lot of sense. This will seem real hard to do on your own. And it is hard to do on your own because it requires Christ to be able to do it. Paul goes on to say, put on Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. We put on compassion and kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Where do we get that from? Consider Galatians chapter 3. Remember what Paul said in Galatians chapter 3. He, he says something here that's similar to what, what he writes in Colossians chapter 3. He writes this, Colossians 3.27, if you're following along, this won't be on the screen. Uh, Colossians 3.27 is page 1,247. He writes, For as many of you as who were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. <clears throat> The scripture says, that's when it happens. That's when you put on Christ. And is not how you're saved, it's when you're saved. It's when you put on Christ. He says, for as many of you who are baptized into Christ Jesus have put on Christ, and therefore, verse 28, there's no Jew or Greek, there's no slave or free, there's no male or female, for all are one in Christ Jesus. Because you've all put on Christ. And so we in Christ. Put on Christ's compassion. And kindness. And humility. And meekness. And patience. A visual. Okay. I I don't like to do this. But maybe this will help you get a picture of it. Okay. This is the jacket that I'm wearing today. Okay? This is, I just, every Sunday morning, I pick out one of these, maybe not this particular one, and I put it on. And so, and I hope I didn't mess up my lapel, I put on my jacket. Paul says, you put on, in Galatians 3, you put on Christ. In Colossians chapter 3, Paul writes, When you put on Christ, you put on his compassion. When you put on Christ, you put on his kindness. When you put on Christ, you put on his humility. When you put on Christ, you put on his meekness. When you put on Christ, you put on his patience. It gives us a good understanding that it's not just about me. It's about who I've put on when I become a Christian. And this should change how we are. Now, I want you to think, if if we have put on Christ, then what we put on is all about Him. It's His compassion that we put on. In Matthew chapter 9, Matthew writes kind of as a sidebar, he says that Jesus had compassion on the people That they were harassed and helpless, the NIV says. They were like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus had compassion on the people. His kindness. Jesus was, we talked about this before, Jesus wasn't always nice. Sometimes he did some things that we might say, that's not very nice. But Jesus was always kind. He showed kindness to all, whether it was a woman caught in adultery A thief on the cross, breathing his last breaths in this world. Or his good friend Peter, who denied him three times. Peter, uh, Jesus always showed kindness. Jesus showed humility. Oh, I can't, I mean, this is a whole other sermon in and of itself. Philippians chapter 2 talks at length and in great detail about Christ's humility. But just think about how much Jesus humbled himself. The incarnation, Jesus, God in the flesh, when he came to earth for 33 years as the incarnate word, that was deity being demoted. You ever been demoted? You ever experienced a demotion at work? Or or, maybe you're brought down a level? Jesus, when he came to earth, went down several levels to become like you and I. The omniscient God submitting himself to a finite human mind. I don't care how brilliant you are, it does not compare with the omniscient mind of God. The omnipresent God who's everywhere all the time, all at once, not limited by time or space. The omnipresent God, when he stepped into our world, he had to walk everywhere he went. The omnipotent God, omnipotent, all-powerful, now had to take a nap. Now required food for sustenance. So... His humility was, was all throughout his life. Jesus' meekness, his strength under control, the old hymn, he could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the earth and set him free. He could have called 10,000 angels, but he died alone for you and me. That's meekness. That's holy, the the holy strength and might and power of God containing itself for us. And Jesus' patience. Jesus was patient with the Pharisees as well as the disciples. He was patient with his enemies as well as his friends. He was patient with skeptics as well as believers. So, so think, if you want to think about how you are, then you need only to fix your eyes on Jesus. And consider his compassion. And ask yourself, is that my compassion? And his kindness. And ask yourself, am I kind like Jesus was kind? And his humility, am I humble like Jesus was humble? Jesus' meekness, do I practice meekness like Jesus practiced meekness? Am I patient with others as Jesus has been patient with me? Christ I'm convinced is the model of all virtue. And so because he is, we are. Because he is compassionate with us, we are compassionate with others. Because he showed undeserved kindness to us, we show undeserved kindness to others. Because he humbled himself for us, we humble ourselves. For others. Because he stayed meek, we stay meek. We yield our strength, our abilities to his control. Because he was patient with us, then we can be patient with others. See, it's all the times we think about Christ, we think about what he's done for me, and what about me, and all the things he's done for me, and that's true. But don't let your exegesis turn into eisegesis. Don't let your theology become focused on me instead of he. And when you consider what he's done for you, you have one more step to take. And that is to overflow that to others. Who are you to accept his forgiveness if you will not extend it to others? Oh, but they hurt me. I understand. They hurt him too. You don't understand. You're right. I don't. I don't. But he does. So, because he is, changes everything about, everything about who we are. So, we put on his compassion, his kindness, his humility, his meekness, his patience, and that makes the last part easier. We do as he did. Continuing back to our key text now in Colossians chapter 3. He says, Bearing with one another, this is verse 13. And if one has complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. This is the the challenge of what Christianity is all about. Because understanding who Jesus is is not enough. Understanding who he did, who he is, and what he did is not enough unless and until. You submit to it and allow it to flow out of you. 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. If you're following along in your Bible, 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, page 1303. The apostle John, the apostle whom Jesus loved, writes this. 1 John 2, 6. Whoever says he abides in him, in Christ, ought to walk in the same way. Ought to walk in the same way which he walked. Christ followers do as he did for us, and as he did for us, we do to and for one another. Okay? So we bear with others (laughs) as he has bared with us. We accept and tolerate each other because we're not all alike. We got more alike than we do different. That's true. We are different. We have different perspectives. We have different personalities. We have different skill sets. God's made us different. From our DNA all the way down to our fingertips, God has made all of us different and unique. And so in a body, that means we got to learn to understand and appreciate the differences, to bear with each other, to accept one another. Now we're not talking about sin, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about quirks, personality differences. If you're married and you've been married longer than the honeymoon, you understand throughout time that you and your spouse are different. You have differences physically, personality-wise, all sorts of traits that are different, but you are to complement each other. And two become one. Will you always see eye to eye? You won't. But your love for one another helps you put up with, bear with, tolerate us, uh, each your spouse. And may we continue to have that attitude with each other. Think about this. Who puts up with you at your worst? Probably your family. If you're married, your spouse. If you're not married, your family. But they they love you. Ultimately, who puts up with us at our worst? Christ Jesus. And so we bear with others as he has bared with us. Second, we forgive others as he forgave us. we're going to have lots of grievances and slights as we go along. But what was the attitude of Christ? Even as he was unjustly stretched out on a Roman cross and crucified for sins he did not commit, what did he say? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You see, when we focus on Christ, it impacts who we are. When we understand who we are, it changes how we do. We do as Christ did. So, hopefully that would be helpful to you, and we can think more in terms of one another, and keeping our focus on Christ, and then extending our love, our mercy, our forgiveness, our kindness, our patience, to one another. My question for you as we wrap up is this are you a Christian because I said the message wouldn't really apply unless you're a Christian there's more here challenging to a Christian than a non-Christian well uh, the the forgiveness of Christ can only be found in Christ the acceptance of Christ can only be found in Christ so if we want all of that that God has to offer us he's not going to force it on us we have to choose to accept it so my question is very simple are you a Christian? You say, yes. I say, well, how do you know? My, my question is, have you put on Christ? What did Paul say? For as many of you have been baptized, have put on Christ. Now, that's not where it stops, but that is the beginning of the journey. So if you're not in Christ this morning, and you'd like to know His forgiveness, love, mercy, and kindness, it starts with Christ. And if you're not in Christ, we'd like to help you do that. We can study with you. If you know what you need to do and want to obey Jesus, we'd be happy to help you with that. Maybe, you've in, maybe you're in Christ, but you haven't been, been acting as Christ did toward you. Maybe you need the prayers of our shepherds. Uh, Maybe you need to forgive someone. Maybe you need to heal a relationship. I don't know what it might be. If you have a spiritual need, if you haven't been acting like you've put on Christ, and you need correction, you need admonishment, you need encouragement, our shepherds will be glad to help you. We're going to sing a song here in just a minute, and we'll ask you to stand during that song. If you have a need to come to Christ or to help us, help, so we can help you with your walk in Christ, our shepherds will be at the back. Please uh, head back during this song, and they will help you with whatever you need. Whatever your need might be, please head to the back during this time as together we stand.